It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you gotta repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rain Jays. Today, it's me, your boy, Jake King, joined by special guest, Tom Westerholm from Mass Live, who has done a fantastic job with my old job. We talk about a bunch of stuff from Marcus Morris's tweet about Tristan Thompson, which was hilarious, to the fit of the Celtics starting five how good their offense could be, the one potential flaw that could keep them from being as good as they are, the one thing that would have to go right for them to reach their potential, and a lot of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum talk, which everybody always loves. For those of you who are new here, we are Locked On Celtics Podcast with the Rain and Jays. You can subscribe to us, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you want, wherever else you get your podcasts, we are the only Monday through Friday Celtics podcast, the greatest Celtics podcast ever, back in the swing of the daily pods now that the season has returned. I would say I would say we have some, maybe the best Celtics chat in the entire world. That might be stress, stressing things a little bit, stretching the truth a little bit, but I don't know. Before I babble on any further... Here is the interview with the great Tom Westerholm. All right, so now I'm with Tom Westerholm of MassLive.com fame. He is taking my old website to to new heights, which is cool to watch, cool to see. Uh, thanks for coming on, Tom. Yeah, man, I'm happy to uh, destroy all the all the great work that you put in on Math Lab. <laughs> He's doing great work. Everybody should go follow him at Tom underscore NBA. The Robert Williams piece was good. A lot of other pieces, really good. Tom is great at his job. Um, let's start with the entire Celtics season. I'm going to start with <laughs> I'm going to start with by putting you on the spot. If the Celtics season goes wrong. And by wrong, you can define wrong however you want. What is what would it be that took down the Celtics? Ooh, I like that. All right. Um, so I've actually given this some thought because I, I've kind of wondered, like, what could the worst-case scenario for this team be, right? And I think the worst-case scenario is, at least setting aside health, I assume. Like, we're not like, oh, like... Yeah, yeah, B- besides health. Yeah. All right. So, like... I think it's, it's basically like if, if people don't mesh well um, and if 
the team doesn't play the defense that it played last year. Because, like, they've got a lot of... You've been brainwashed by Brad Stevens. Well, certainly. (laughs) We listen to him every day. I mean, he's got a very calming voice. It just kind of seeps into the cracks, and then, you know, you're done for. Um, But, like, if they don't defend at a super high level... um, or, or at least, or at least at a level that they were close to last year. Because I mean, last year they were the the best defense in the NBA, or the second best, depending on what you look at. But um, they were one of the absolute best in the league. And um, I don't think it's completely inconceivable that you know maybe they slip a little bit. Um, it does seem like Stevens is is really trying to hammer that home early. So I I, I wouldn't pick it. But if it did happen, um, I think that. Like, the worst-case scenario is probably that they end up with, like, the Raptors in the second round of the playoffs, and Kawhi just makes that team so devastating defensively. You know, they lose in six games, and then Kyrie leaves, and they've got to try to reshuffle stuff. Like, I think that's probably the absolute worst-case That would be gory. Like, what's that? That would be gory. Just a gory season. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that that, I, I mean, I don't think that that's, likely that's not what i think is going to happen but i think if you're you know projecting like okay so how could this awesome situation that the Celtics have built go wrong maybe something like that yeah that that's that's probably right um the defense thing i I think is important especially because aaron baines and al horford as a duo were so good last season i don't think we're going to see them Mm -hmm. together much and so i think playing small more often even though i think that's the best way for the Celtics to play. I do think it's going to put more stress on their rebounding. It's going to put more stress on their defense. And not having Aaron Baines and Al Horford out there together for 15 minutes a game, whatever it was last year, uh, that's that's going to hurt them. And they're going to have to make up for that in other ways. They're going to have to have their wings rebound, and they're going to have to have their offense be a lot better. I think everyone has just kind of assumed, right, that the offense is going to be somewhere close to elite or elite. Because Gordon Hayward is back and Kyrie Irving is back and all these other guys are getting older, do you see that this is like an automatic top five or top seven offense or do they kind of have to put in the work to get there? What's your take on how good this team's offense is going to be? Especially seeing as we haven't seen them at all yet. Right, yeah. Everybody's watched that same Charlotte game like 400 times this on YouTube. Um, yeah, no, so a couple of things. First off, you said that Brad Stevens has brainwashed me, but you just went a classic Brad Stevens of saying a phrase and then saying right halfway through it. Um, that's something he does all the time. I'm also brainwashed. Um, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that the offense, I mean, I, mean I, I just don't know how you stop it. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, when you just kind of look around at, at you know, the spacing that they're going to have, the speed they're going to have, um, you know, I mean, maybe the way you stop it, I, was, I mean, I was going to say that maybe the way you stop it is, you know, you get a basket on the other end and you don't let them get into transition at all, but then they have, like, two of the best isolation scores, you know, in the conference um, and, and maybe the best one in the league. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's going to be, I, I don't know what the number is going to be, um, you know, in terms of like, are they, are they top five? Are they top whatever? But I mean, I think they're going to be devastating. I just think they're going to be able to score a lot. And, you know, maybe some of it is maybe, maybe some of their struggles come from just, you know, Gordon Hayward getting himself back into not game shape, but, you know, just sort of like the right mindset um, and everything, you know, maybe that costs them a little bit of 
positioning at the beginning of the season. But, I mean, how do you stop this team? I, I, I truly I don't know the answer to that. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and the first five especially. When Horford's at the five and Hayward, Tatum, Brown are two, three, four in whatever order, like there are going to be power forwards and probably some traditional power forwards in starting lineups who are going to be guarding Jalen Brown. Like have have fun with that, guys, and like regular big centers guarding Horford. Like it's it's going to be so tough to stop the team, and if if you try to switch, like every single player can do every single thing, which is yeah. so rare to have guys that can shoot, pass, dribble, everywhere, everywhere, all five, and all five I think have all star potential. Like I don't think Jalen Brown making the All Star game is totally out of the question, uh, and maybe maybe this year it's a little early, but like. Anybody in that five could make the all-star team, and I wouldn't be totally shocked. So, yes, the, the first five, I think, should be devastating. I, I don't see how that group is anything less than elite, elite, elite offensively. It's when the bench comes in that I think things will get interesting, and I think the bench should be like as good as it gets defensively with Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, Aaron Baines, Daniel Tice, Shemi Ojale. Like, that is... The aptly nicknamed bench with attitude. Um, yeah. But a lot of those guys can take bad shots. And I, I think the willingness of the team to get good shots is going to be really important. I think I think how Stevens juggles his rotation, like who is he playing with the second unit? I think obviously it won't just be like those five guys are on the court at once. I think there's going to be a lot of staggering. I think Hayward and Ir- and or Irving are going to be with the bench. I think you could throw Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in there too, um, like because they have so many good players. Like they're they're going to see time with the bench, and it's going to be really tough to stop those guys too. But the bad shots from the bench and 
the lack of finishing last season and kind of the lack of decision-making around the rim is one issue that I think they need to improve internally. Um, and I think that's like the one thing that could bog down their offense to some extent this season. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point. It makes me kind of wonder if, um, you know, you mentioned Hayward or Irving, you know, being staggered into those lineups. I, I'd be curious to know, um, I'll, I'll be curious to find out if, you know, Hayward is obviously less likely to be a bad shot type of person. Um, you know, he's, he's a very efficient um, type of scorer. And for Kyrie, you know, I guess he's, you could say that he's taking bad shots, but there really aren't bad shots. No, there are no bad shots for Kyrie. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I'm curious, like, which one of those elements is better for a bench prone to bad shots? Like, is it better to have the guy that can just go get his own bucket against, you know, however many defenders that can go, you know, beat anybody off the dribble? Or is it better to have the guy that facilitates that, like, and obviously Kyrie can facilitate a little too, but, um, you know, is, or is it better to have the guy um, who sort of, you know, greases the wheels everywhere um, and who can also score, obviously, but who is, you know, a, a little bit more of a passer, a little bit more of the guy who can fit into any lineup. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. That I think that'll be kind of interesting to find out. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. And like, I, I don't just mean bad shots, but it's just like, like Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, those guys can all just kind of hijack your offense for stretches. And, 100%, yeah. and sometimes you don't want that. Sometimes it's like, nah, let's, let's just give the ball to Tatum and see what happens. Or let's give the ball to our <laughs> players who are more efficient. And so I, I think that's, that's going to be interesting. I think the defense thing, I think they could be uh, just fantastic defense. But I also think, I do think the first unit is more susceptible defensively than people probably realize just because they're going to be small up front and rebounding without Baines even last year was an issue. Like their rebounding improved so much, but when Baines was off, I think they had like a 48% rebound rate and were one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league. Um, so that's, and, and we're just like, I'm not too concerned about much with the Celtics. So kind of nitpicking here. Um, but, but that is something to, to watch for. Uh, okay, if everything goes right for the Celtics, if if they have the the best year they can have, um, and judge that however you want, whether it's oh they beat the Warriors or oh they still weren't quite enough to knock off the mighty Warriors, um, what is the cause of what would be the cause of that? I mean, I think it would be kind of the confluence of. Uh, of just being awesome on both ends. Like, like sort of, if you look at the Rockets as sort of an example, not, not in terms of style of play at all, but just like last year, they were really, really focused on being a good defensive team, not just like an acceptable one for how good their offense was, but just like, like legitimately a, like a good defensive team. Um, and that obviously meant hiding certain guys that meant, you know, having versatility that meant having a guy like Clint Capella. Um, and I, I think that the Celtics, you know, having that focus of being like truly awesome. I mean, obviously this sounds obvious, like, Hey, if you're good at offense and defense, you're a good basketball team. But, um, I think that, you know, because they were so good defensively last year, they maintaining that and also just being like we were saying, devastating, um, uh, with that, with that front five, with, you know, good rotations, with, with, with good second units and everything. Um, just, just being like a, a really, really tough two way team. Um, you know, that, 
really hurts you that can get out in transition, but also just locks up and really focuses on the defensive end. Um, I think that that's how you challenge, um, you know, de- definitely how you get through the East. And I think it's how you challenge the Warriors. And, you know, I, I'm, I don't think that the Warriors are necessarily like the guarantee um, this year. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about how they, you know, got stagnant last year and they, they almost, you know, lost to the Rockets and, truly don't know how DeMarcus Cousins is going to, you know, fit into that locker room or if he's even going to be any good, if he's going to be a plus at all. And obviously they're still awesome, but I don't think that they're completely, completely untouchable. Um, so I think that, you know, if, if, if this Celtics team that, that can be so versatile, that can be so dangerous offensively, that, you know, can, can switch everything, um, you know, I, I think you're right about the rebounding, but I think that a, a truly, like, elite Celtics team this year just is, Top five on both ends, you know, hurts you, transition, isolation, whatever it might be. And, and I think this team does have the potential to pull that off. Yeah, last year they were weirdly bad in transition. Um, and I think having Hayward back changes that. And I think mm-hmm. the, the habits that Brad Stevens will try to instill from day one, like he knows they need to be a much better transition team. So I'm sure they work on that a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested. In the two days of training camp they've had. Yes, the only two days of training camp they will have. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how the mixture of developing young guys and established all-stars returning plays out. And I, I'm not too concerned. Like, I, I don't think there will be chemistry issues or anything like that. And I say that because, not because, like, Brad Stevens is, like, this wizard or the locker room is like totally impenetrable or anything like that i think all these guys are human but i just think the skill sets mesh so well that that it's hard to envision that becoming too big an issue like the celtics one thing they've done well and probably the thing they've done the most well and maybe it's something that that's not even talked about enough uh even though brad stevens favorite word is versatility like they they have guys who can beat you on ball or off ball and and that's kind of rare like every every guy in their starting five can spot up for a three-pointer or beat you off the dribble and and some of them are very good cutters um like Kyrie Irving we saw so many backdoor cuts and Jalen Brown so many backdoor cuts when Al Horford was doubled they have guys who can beat you on the ball or off the ball and that offensive versatility I think is kind of often overlooked and I think it's often the reason why teams with two, uh, with a lot of star power don't mesh. Like, Russell Westbrook is not an off-ball player. Carmelo Anthony is not an off-ball player. Those guys didn't have the skill sets to make themselves work, to be positive forces when they didn't have the ball. And I think the Celtics are very different in that sense. But at the same time, it's just like, how big are these roles going to be? Like, Jason Tatum, everyone's saying he came in like the man. He came in with that look like he's a killer. He knows he's special now. What is that going to mean for touches for other guys? I still think Kyrie Irving is the automatic closer because he just does so many things well, and he's done it at that level for a long time, and he can make great decisions in crunch time. But I'm interested to see just how the the roles form, and I think it'll change night to night, and it'll change matchup to matchup. But I am kind of intrigued to see, like, does Jason Tatum make a leap? Does Jalen Brown make a leap? What does that mean for Gordon Hayward? Is he going to 
see his scoring average dip a lot. Uh, is Al Horford, what's he going to do now that everybody else is getting converged on? Does that mean more touches for him, more shots for him, or does that mean he takes a back seat? So there's, there's just a lot of kind of things we don't know yet. And I'm excited to find out about this team. I'm fired up to watch this team play basketball. I think they're going to be so fun to watch. Yeah, 100% agree. I think so. I think one of the interesting things with Tatum is, is like you're saying, everybody says that he's coming in um, and he's like, you know, a completely new guy. He's got all this new confidence. And I, like you, I'm not worried about it at all. But I just think that it's it, it's kind of funny to hear you know like veteran guys being like, oh, this guy's got all this confidence. He's going to be so much better this year. And it's like, okay, that, I mean that's that's fantastic. But he also you know, you don't want him to like go too off the rails and be like, "I'm the man." Like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I'm going to be the one who goes out and gets it. I'm the captain now. Right, exactly. <laughs> you don't want him doing that because no, like, um, Kyrie still is, is there, and Kyrie, like you said, is still the closer uh, as he should be. Um, and I think the other thing that's that's going to be really interesting too. I think Jalen just keeps getting better at things, like uh, you know, and and he's only had like two off seasons to uh, of sort of a sample size here, but. I mean, you just look at the jump that he made from rookie to sophomore, and I think, I mean, if he made the same jump this offseason, it would be a little absurd. But just even what he's been working on, you know, he said at media day, just, you know, something along the lines of, I'm, you know, curious to see if people are still going to be criticizing me. Um, Just a super properly rated quote. But I think that he's going to be a really interesting guy um, from that perspective. Just if if his handle is better, um, if you know if he continues to improve a little bit, you know finishing around the rim, um, I don't I don't think those things are out of the question. He's shown flashes as a ball handler, um, and if he's able to start taking guys off the dribble at that level too, I mean, you know, at, at some point it's an embarrassment of riches, but you know, he, he, I think his his potential is as high as anybody's. If Jalen Brown were being totally honest, I wonder if he would admit that he gets a little peeved that Jason Tatum receives so much attention. And, yeah, I wonder that every day. And, and he, he doesn't receive hardly enough for what he's already done at 21 years old and for what he could do in the future. Because, I mean, everyone... He's so good. And everyone talks about Tatum's run, like, oh, Tatum this, Tatum that. It's like Jalen Brown was just about as good in the playoffs. And he's 21. Like, he's, he's only a year older than, than Jason Tatum. I, <laughs> It would, it would kind of frustrate me. And at the same time, I'd be really happy to be on Jason Tatum's team. But mm-hmm. I, I think there's, if he were being completely honest, I'd be shocked if the human side in him wasn't like, come on, guys, I'm, I'm really freaking good and really freaking young too. Like, <laughs> just show me some more love. And, and, and like also just like if, you know, the human side of him would be like, okay, so everybody said that I couldn't shoot. And then I shot 40%. So now they're all going to think I'm awesome, right? And everybody's like, oh, Jason Tatum's going to be a top 10 player in the league in like five years. And like, oh, yeah, Jalen's good too. I mean, I would, he keeps working and improving on the things that people say, hey, like he's not good at this. So here's why he's not as good as Tatum. And he just keeps like getting better at those things. So, yeah, no, I, I wonder the same thing. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't it, we have no indication whatsoever that it's actually a cause of consternation between the two. But yeah, I think that, uh, I, I think that. I, I wonder that, too, if, if it's just kind of annoying that it, it's all Tatum all the time for him. Yeah, and and I, I, like, I agree. I, I, I think Tatum's going to be better, and I think that because he can do literally everything. Like We talk about Jalen right. Brown improving weaknesses. Well, Jason Tatum doesn't really have any. <laughs> so, so, so I think like when he talks about what he got better at, he's like, yeah, I just needed to get stronger so I could finish a little better. 
And then everything else is kind of like, yeah, I just need to realize I'm the man, right? (laughs) But with Jalen Brown, there are actual things, uh, skill things like ball handling and I think his his court vision, some of those things need legitimate work. Um, But still, like, his athleticism is ridiculous. He did so many great things. I think that that's going to be an interesting dynamic to to see evolve over the years. Are those two guys like totally in sync with each other and their development and everything else? I I I think that they're both like very team oriented and very much um, in it to win. Like those guys are both winners, but mm-hmm. but it's just going to be interesting because. They're both so good and so talented and so young. And we've seen in a lot of other places, whether it's OKC or um, like Minnesota, I guess, even though it turned out Wiggins may not have been that talented in the first place. Um, But it's just it's hard when you're that young and playing together with other really talented players. It's hard to kind of stay happy with your development. Um, I guess Kyrie Irving could kind of be the same thing, right? He was playing with LeBron James and not, Jason Tatum is not LeBron James. Nobody on the Celtics is LeBron James, but it's like Kyrie wanted out of that shadow so that he could show how good he was and so that he could develop in different ways. So I think it's just going to be an interesting dynamic there. Before I let you go, we have to talk about Marcus Morris's tweet uh, at Tristan Thompson <laughs> because it was just great. Tristan Thompson, first of all, just... I don't know whether he was being serious or whether he was kind of like, ah, this will be really funny if I say we're still the Eastern Conference champs and just go at everyone in the East. Uh, <laughs> but he he said some interesting things about how the Cavs are still the Eastern Conference champs and Boston, they beat them in their, at their home court in a game seven and this and that. And then Marcus Morris came back and tweeted like, ain't shit going through Cleveland no more or some, something like that. I, I don't have the tweet right in front of me, but classic Marcus Morris, class, classic Mook. <laughs> he, is, he is the absolute best. Yeah. Like, I mean, every, like, I mean, literally, I feel like every story that we write, if we get quotes, it doesn't matter who it's about or what it's about or what the topic is. If we get quotes from Marcus Morris, the story gets better automatically. 100%. Will say anything about anything to anyone at any time, and it's it's amazing. I mean, I like legit halfway through the season last year, I started feeling bad every time he got a technical because we would ask him about it, and he would automatically talk about it, and it was just like I we're, we're literally costing him money every time because he you know complained about getting technical, and the league would find him. Um, yeah, I mean, did you watch the video uh, of Thompson? That. Yeah, it was it was hilarious. He looked pretty serious. Yeah, but but at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if he like went back into the locker room and was like, "Haha, guys!" Like, true. But <laughs> I just I just took shots at everyone in the East, even though we know for a fact we're not contenders anymore. Poor Colin Sexton is just like, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm I'm the replacement, so I'm ready to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Morris, uh, but yeah, I mean, Morris more is just, I mean. I swear, like every, every time he manages to top himself by saying something better every single time. And uh, that was no exception. He's just totally honest. And I, yeah. I, I don't think he, he embellishes things. He just says what he thinks is the truth. 
And sometimes that's like, yeah, the Raptors didn't do shit against LeBron. And other times it's shit ain't running through Cleveland anymore, Tristan. <laughs> so right. shout out to Mook. Thanks for thanks to Mook for making our job so much easier. Every day. It, it's funny, too, because, like, Isaiah Thomas was a great quote because he would say whatever he was thinking. Um, but it was a little bit different. It was a little bit more introspective. And, like, you know, he would tell you, like, everything that – everything that he was feeling at a certain time, like you'd be fine with like talking about all that stuff. Whereas like Morris, I don't know. It, it's just, it's a different kind of honesty where it, it's like no filter. I mean, just sort of like what you imagine the toughest dude in the room is thinking at that time is exactly what Marcus Morris is thinking at that time. Legend, all out legend. All right, we'll end it there because Marcus Morris is a legend and he does say whatever he wants. And this was a great podcast. I appreciate you for coming on, Tom. Uh, and look forward to seeing you Sunday, I guess, for yeah, man, the next preseason game. So many preseason games so early. So many. A wild game. Yeah, totally wild. But anyway, have a terrific day. I appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you people. For those who don't subscribe to us, we are locked on Celtics with the Rain and Jays, the only Monday through Friday Celtics podcast, the greatest Celtics podcast ever. Go subscribe to us, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Back in the swing of things, Celtics about to get started with their preseason. A lot of excitement going on. We're excited every day to bring you an episode of the Locked On Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah. King and John Corrales, locked on Celtics, Millie's. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter, so it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.